Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors and their events with host Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavin, Global Ledger, and Modern History Press. Today, I will be chatting with author Sharon Kennedy, who will announce the details of our book giveaway of the Side Road Kids at the end of the interview. Sharon's been writing short stories and poems for 50 years, but she has rarely submitted anything for publication. After teaching English composition at a community college, she began writing a general interest column in 2014 that ran in her local newspaper. And she has had several journalistic stints, including writing for the UP Reader and Gannett. Uh, hello, Sharon, how are you? Hi, Emma. Well, I'm very well, and I'm happy to be here. So hello to uh, anyone and everyone who's listening. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Let's talk about your newest book, The Side Road Kids, that takes the reader from September to the end of the 1957-1958 school year. Why did you pick that time, that year? I was thinking about that earlier. And I think I picked that year because sixth grade was a very unpleasant one for me. Uh, uh, I was tall and thin and homely as a stump fence. Uh, I just, I got paddled that year. And I talk about that in one of the stories. I was probably the shyest kid in the, in the whole room. And when I did, uh, I guess I broke a kid's pencil and the, the teacher got quite angry with me. So she got out the paddle. In those days, that's what teachers could do. Oh, oh my so, goodness. And there's also a story in there about um, uh, the, a girl who couldn't get any sound out of her clarinet. And that was me. And that uh, was you. Yes, I could not. I couldn't read music. I wanted the drums, but uh, the, the music teacher said drums were for boys. <laughs> not necessarily, right? That's right. <laughs> so. Well, anyways, you have all these protagonists, Katie, Blue, Squeaky, and Daisy. They grew up on farms instead of high rises and used their imagination instead of fancy gadgets to make their own fun. I love that sentence. Uh, what do you think will kids of today's era, how will they take this? Well, first of all, I think, I think, how can I put this? I think this would be a, a very difficult for kids who are used to technology to read mm -hmm. because it's, it's all, it's, the action is all, is narrated by the children. I stay out of it. Okay. So I think, I think kids of today, um, if their grandparents uh, read this book and then said, hey, Johnny or Susie, um, let's, I, wanna, I wanna tell you what it was like in the old days. Okay, I think the kids would get a kick out of it because as one reviewer wrote, uh, although the time frame is 1957-58, kids are still the same in many respects. They have the same problems. They want to be liked. They want to be popular. They perhaps have problems with their teachers. Um, they have problems maybe adjusting if they are Oh, if they have a handicap or what is perceived by classmates as a handicap. So there's a lot in here that is pertinent to today's children. So both for the kids and the parents, right? I think so. I think so. I've had a number of, of people buy this, uh, grandparents as well as parents. The parents 
are younger and they want their children to know what it's like to feel a book instead uh -huh. of to read it on Kindle. They uh -huh. actually want that tactile experience of touching the pages, turning the pages, looking at the pictures. There are some illustrations in here. And uh, they just, they wanna introduce something to the child that they may not have had since they were quite young. And which of these kids, uh, protagonists, do you relate best to? Or who are you? Or what, are you one of them? Are you one of these? Enlighten me. <laughs> I would love to be Katie. I would love to be Katie. But to tell the truth, I am Shirley. Shirley was afraid of everything. Okay. And that, that's who I was. So, and, and the home that Shirley lived in is the home, actually, that I lived in. Okay, no indoor plumbing. Um, of course, we lived on the farm and I loved my dolls. Shirley is afraid of horses. Um, whereas Katie, Katie is precocious, outspoken, not afraid of anyone. I would have loved to have been Katie, but I will confess that, that Shirley is the poor gal I am. <laughs> I like your confessions. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the storyline? I thought back about my own childhood um, because this is, I call this historical fiction. Uh, most of the stories in some part are based on things that actually happened. Uh, we did take uh, a trip to Castle Rock and the boys loved the girls to go ahead because in those days, little girls wore dresses. Mm -hmm. And little boys, being little boys, mm -hmm. they like to watch the girls walk up the steps of Castle Rock. And I will let your audience figure out why. Okay, okay. little girls wear dresses. Mm -hmm. um, uh, many other things, like growing up on a farm, waiting for a cow to freshen, um, being told at school uh, that we had to take part in the Christmas program. And in one of the chapters, uh, the teacher says, uh, we're going to, to draw names. And whichever name I draw out first, uh, that will be um, Joseph. And the first name he draws is a girl's. And she says, well, I can't be Joseph, I'm a girl. And he says, no, no, you're the first name. The second name he draws is for Mary. And of course he draws a boy's name. And so the boy argues, well, I'm going to switch with whichever girl it was, Candy or Elizabeth or one of them. And he said, no, we're going to do this the democratic way. And Blue says, well, in a democracy, everybody gets a vote. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Keller says, well, you're right about that. But that's only in history class and music class. I'm the boss. So you can see how some of these things were based on things of my childhood and then uh, as every good historical fiction writer does. There's a little bit of fiction mixed in there too. Yeah, I like it. I like the drawings. At what age did you start writing? I probably started writing when I was young. I always read and I would just write little poems or I would jot down lines that I thought about. When I was in my twenties is when I started to write short stories. And for some reason, they were always exactly 10 pages, 10 typewritten pages long. I seem to run out of words at 10 pages. And <laughs> I don't know why, because I'm Irish and I never run out of words. But for some reason, I did. 
I was encouraged, my friends encouraged me in the 70s when I lived in Detroit. And I did submit some articles to a monthly magazine called Monthly Detroit. And mm -hmm. these were interviews and they were published, but I didn't have any self-confidence. And so I continued to write and didn't do anything with it. Then at 66, I, I was retired. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I started a blog because everybody blogs, but mm -hmm. I had no followers. So I thought, well, um, I'll, I'll print off a few of the subject matter, take it down to my editor, because in those days, we actually had a physical editor in a physical newspaper building here in Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. And I, I handed them to him. I just walked in cold and he glanced at them. He didn't even look at me. He glanced at what I had written and he said, uh, I'll run you twice a week. And I thought, nice. my, what, what do I do now is my first reaction because I really didn't have material. I had short stories, mm -hmm. but I didn't have anything for a 450 word newspaper column. Okay. Um, and I started to write, sat at my computer and I saw stories everywhere. So that was in 2014 and I've been writing my newspaper columns since then. I've written interviews and more short stories for the Mackinac Journal. And um, when Victor Volkman, my publisher saw some mm -hmm. of the stories, um, he thought they were actually worthy of a standalone book. So that's how this book came about. That is awesome, you know, this way that you can preserve the stories. Do you remember what your first short story was about? Yes, yes, I do. It's funny that you should mention that because I threw it away a long time ago. It was probably <laughs> one of my, <laughs> I've thrown away two stories that were probably the best I ever wrote. Okay, <laughs> that's just the way it goes with writers. We are so yep. critical of our own work. Yes. Uh, it was called The Snowflake Princess, and it was about uh, Thanksgiving and the kids going out and playing uh, in the snow and building a fort. In those days, the snowbanks were very, very high because the county didn't have the sophisticated equipment that they have today. And we, uh, we just pelted each other with uh, snowballs. And the ram came after us, and we all ran for the house, and the story had a very happy ending. Cool. <laughs> very nice. How long did it take you to write this book or put the entire book together? Well, it, it probably took a year, I would say, to, to write the stories, to edit some of the ones. Um, the, there were probably... Uh, three or four that had that I had written and had appeared in the Mac Journal, uh, but to go over to edit to add uh, to absolutely get the, the kids' point of view. Somebody asked me why I wrote it without narration on my part. Okay, and my answer was um, it's because it's it's the kids' story. It's told by the children. And as the narrator, I wanted to keep out of it. And let me assure you, that is a very difficult way to write a book. It's much easier if the narrator can step in and say, um, well, Katie's not feeling well today. She has a stomach ache and she's wearing a blue dress and she, her glasses are sliding down her nose. But I didn't do that. 
I let the children do that. So the children do the describing. The children tell you how they feel by talking to each other. Uh-huh. So I read the book. And um, my daughter told me that she actually enjoyed it because she had to pay attention to what she was reading. She couldn't have music going and be half listening to the music and reading the book. She actually had to concentrate. And when she concentrated, she realized that there was a lot more to this book than just kids um, telling their story. There was the interaction between the parents, the teachers, uh, other, other authoritative figures. And, and it really, it brought back a lot of memories for her and her childhood. So it's written a little, a little bit different. A lot of dialogue and the narration is, as I said, strictly by the children. So this must have presented a real challenge, right? <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I will, tell, I will tell you something that perhaps anyone who has read the book has already discovered. It was so challenging that at times I got lost uh-huh. and Blue, Blue would be telling the story. And of course, I didn't, I didn't catch these mistakes and neither did the professional editor until it was published. And uh-huh. then I'm going through and checking it. I realized that Blue is telling the story. And at the very end of it, I said, Blue said. Oh, I thought, okay. oh my goodness, we both missed that. And uh-huh. that, that, so it was tricky. It was, a, it was very, very challenging. And in the sequel, um, I don't have as many children because okay. there are a lot of children in this book simply uh-huh. because it takes place during the school year. So there were more children, more teachers, um, and I kept the kids probably to a minimum, but there are maybe eight, eight main characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I tried to do was at the beginning of each chapter, I tried to make it so that um, uh, the person who was reading it would know who was talking. I might okay. say, mm-hmm. oh, Katie, you always say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. reply, well, I know I do, however, so okay. on and so forth. So that would, that would give a clue to the reader of who was doing the talking. Right. So what do you feel you did right? What do I need to write? No, what do you feel you did right in this book, in writing this book? Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a difficult one. I asked myself that same question. (laughs) I never, I I never toot my own heart, but I think I did, I did everything. Everything right. Excellent. I like to hear that. And then you're telling me that you're not confident. Come on. <laughs> but, but you know why? Because when, when I reread some of these stories, and every now and then, as I'm working on the, on the second book to it, I have to go back to make sure that I have the right characters, you know, because some called their mother mom, some said mama. So I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that yeah. But I think when I read it, um, in many ways, it touched my heartstrings because okay. in one chapter, the little boy named Johnny, Johnny Eel, his, uh, his mother runs away with a preacher and Johnny comes home from school one day and his dad said, uh, mom is gone. 
And Johnny says, well, gone to town or gone to church? What do you mean? No, she's just gone. And Johnny feels like, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so relevant to today. Yes. But when one parent leaves, I think the child thinks, I must have done something wrong. It must be my fault. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. what I mean by, by about the stories being relevant today. Yep. And so the um, Johnny stays home from school for a week. And um, Katie lives, well, the grandpa lives with, uh, with Katie and her parents. And uh, Katie talks to grandpa and uh, grandpa says to her, he says, um, when Johnny comes back to school, just act normal, give him time. And Katie says, well, you know, we'll probably want to talk to him about it. And grandpa says, do you know what it's like when you fall on the road, because the roads were all gravel, and you skin your knee? Yes, she said, uh, a scab forms. And grandpa says, what happens if you keep picking up that scab? Well, Katie says, it doesn't heal as fast as it otherwise would. And grandpa said, that's what it's like. Johnny's heart is hurting right now. Mm -hmm. So just let it heal over a little bit and let him talk because he likes Katie. Let him tell you his story. Let him talk to you when he's ready. Yeah. And so many things throughout this, one little girl called Daisy has a club foot and the children on the side road accept her. And she's really worried. She, she, she's, she's concerned that when she starts school, the kids will laugh at her. And by the end of the first or second day, all the kids are limping because they realize that, that Daisy's a, she's a really nice girl. Mm -hmm. And she simply has this affliction that in those days, the doctors couldn't heal. Right. And, and that was actually based on a friend that my mother had who had a club foot. And, okay. uh, you know, was a wonderful lady and was certainly accepted and married and had children. Yeah. So, so, so what would you have done differently? Uh, I would have made some of the chapters longer. Okay. Some of them are only like a page and a half. Mm -hmm. I had a word limit on this book. And um, so instead of giving more, having the children give more detail, um, I had to keep it pretty tight within that word limit. Okay. And, and some of the chapters, um, I think to me, they needed just a little bit more fleshing out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's one of the drawbacks. And the, we, the, we limited it. Um, the subtitle is Tales from Chippewa County. And what I have found is that people who live in a different county think um, well, gee, I don't, this is Chippewa County. This doesn't have anything to do with me. I, you know, I, I know. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, you have to realize that we live in the eastern UP. Okay. Upper, Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Yeah. And people, uh, I can't really, well, what can I say without sounding derogatory? Um, when people see that it's just limited to Chippewa County, Mm -hmm. They might think that, that that's all it is. Okay. But it, it isn't because children live everywhere. Right. Parents and teachers, uh, schools are everywhere. And some of these kids are more sophisticated than others. Mm -hmm. um, 
they all live on farms. But, well, Elizabeth, they don't they don't farm. They came from Mackinac Island, so they're kind of ritzy. But but the other kids are, you know, they 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 farm, okay. but they're smart. Uh, they're not, and they they like each other. Flint Flint is a kid who's dirt poor. Uh, he has two sisters who quit school at 16. He calls them, I think they're, I, could, I call them Jazz and Jill. They're lazy. He has a mother who likes to drink. And he has a father uh, who left uh, to work on the line in Detroit. Okay. And he only lasted a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hightailed it out of Detroit because he, he didn't like the weather and they haven't heard from him since. And Flint is absolutely determined. He is not going to be like Pops. He calls him Pops. Okay. He gets in a he gets in a fight the first day of school. Okay. And the principal, after he gives them him and the squeaky, they both because they both like the same girl. They both like Ken. So the principal gives them a good whack. The teacher sends them home and they walk home. And on the way going home, they fight. Okay. And they talk, oh, I'm, I'm, Candy's going to marry me. Ah, Flint says, she's not going to marry you. She married me. And I mean, these kids are 11, 12. Actually, Flint flunked kindergarten. So he's okay. 12. He, he's 12. He, he's, old. he's older than the other kids. And um, he knocks Squeaky down. And Squeaky watches him walk away. And Squeaky says, there's something about him. I bet in the end, he will get Candy. He has that swagger about him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the next day they make up. Okay. So, okay. So what are the major takeaways from the side road kids? Because we're starting to run out of time. So okay. we're going to have to. I think the, the major takeaways are uh, traditional values are very, very important. And those include obedience mm-hmm. to teachers and to parents. Mm-hmm. And there's an innocence to these children. Yep. Uh, in my book, there, there's no foul language, there's no immoral scenes, there's no delinquent behavior, okay. uh, there are no witches, wizards, warlocks, magicians, and there's nothing digital. Okay. It's the story of children throughout the school year, and it also uh, in, encompasses the holidays. So I talk about looking for the Christmas tree and the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easter. So it's not just in the classroom. It's also outside of the classroom. Okay. So what's next for you in 2022? Well, in a couple of weeks, I will have a fiction uh, for adults coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all short stories. Some of them are a little risque. Um, It's called View from the Side Road, uh, a collection of observations Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not about the side road kids or their parents. It's just, okay. a, just a collection of, um, of of stories. Some are clever, uh, some are a little sad, some are absolutely funny. If I can still laugh at them, uh, and I've worked with them for a long time, for a year, uh, it makes me feel good that others will laugh too. Awesome. So, would you like to read to us, Sharon? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll be quick about this. This is chapter 30, okay. and it's called A Mother's Day Gift. And this is how it goes. Johnny and his pa came home from the barn. Papa and Mr. Eel had a good laugh about the runaway pig. 
Papa picked him up and put him in a sack and tied the top. I hopped in the truck and held the sack. Papa drove to our barnyard gate, and then he took the sack and put, took it out, and he, he put Jep, J-E-P is the pig's name, back in the coop. Piggy started to squeal. What are we going to do? I asked. Will he die if he doesn't stop? Should we take him back until he's older? I peppered Papa with questions. Katie, Papa said. It won't take Jeff long to learn he has a new home and can't keep running back to his old one. He'll squeal for a while, but he'll settle down soon and he'll be okay. Just then, Mama came in. She smiled and wrapped her arms around Jeff. What's the matter, little fellow, she asked. She spoke in a sing-song voice. There, there now, she said. Calm down, that's a good boy. She rocked him in her arms and kept talking in a gentle voice until he stopped squealing. You sure have a way with animals, Papa said. Granny would be proud of you now. Jeff was nestling in Mama's arms like a newborn baby. That's why I wanted a piglet, Mama said, as a reminder that new life is all around us. I sat next to Mama on the bale of hay. Morning sun was shining through the window. Papa was spreading fresh bedding on the dirt floor, and I was thinking about all the fun Jeff will have rolling in the mud once he's big enough to live in the real pig pen. Everything was peaceful until Blue pounded on the door. Is it safe to come in? He hollered. Has that dang old hog quit screeching or have you killed him? Blue pushed open the door. Well, I'll be, he said, if that don't beat all. What a picture. Aunt Eva, you look like Mary holding baby Jesus. I wish I had a camera. Shovel. He commanded me to shovel over and he plunked down next to Mama. He stroked little pig's back. The piglet snuggled closer to Mama. He didn't seem to mind Blue's dirty hands. Looks like you've woven your magic around him, Papa said. I have a feeling Jeff is going to like this new home now that he has three nursemaids. I ain't no nursemaid, Blue yelled, but he kept petting Jeff. He didn't fool me for one minute. Mama smiled like she was the happiest person in the world, like she knew the secret to happiness had nothing to do with money or pretty clothes or anything else except being around the people who love you. Maybe she was remembering what Granny used to say, that love in your heart is worth more than all the money in the bank, that without it, the richest man in the world is a pauper. Now I know why Mama wanted Piglet for Mother's Day. The best gifts are the ones we share with others. Yes. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway? Um, my, my email address? Mm -hmm. Your email, the first reader who emails you will yes. receive a signed copy of your book. A signed copy of side, the Side Road Kids, Tales from Chippewa County, or if they want to wait a couple of weeks, uh, View from the Side Road, which is uh, fiction for adults, that will be coming out. Okay. And my my um, my email address is simply Sharon Kennedy one nine four seven at gmail.com. And Sharon okay. Kennedy is uh, all in lowercase. Okay. And now parting shots. You first, Sharon. You're my guest. Um. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about the kids. And as you can tell, I um. I'm never at a loss for words. Yeah, that's cool. And my parting shots are read indie, buy Indian, write indie, support your local authors, newspapers, and small presses. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah.